Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. It's meant to be as the over, overarching series title, but today the message is as a family, as a family. How many of you know the enemy hates families? Societies and countries and churches and educational systems and clubs and, and businesses and everything else is made up of families. The enemy has always hated families. He began attacking the first family, the first true family, which was Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's always hated families. It was interesting that the enemy watched and he saw God created, create Adam, and I'm sure he was very jealous because some have even said that God put his DNA in us and we lost it when we fell into sin. And of course, now we have it back by the blood of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus now, which brings us back into the family of God. So we have his DNA again. So we know the enemy was jealous of Adam, but man, it really stirred up the enemy when God created Eve to be with Adam. It really upset him. And he said, now I've got to break up this family. I've got to mess them up. They can fall from grace together. And they gave in and they messed up. And hey, don't be too hard on Adam and Eve, because if you or I were there, we would have messed up. And they'd be going, man, Matt, messed it up for everybody. Because people say, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Adam. No, man, the blood of Jesus is stronger than all that. Thank God. But my point is, the enemy has always, always, always hated families. Always hated families. He wants to attack them. Families are the building blocks of society. They're the building blocks of our country. He's always trying to break up families and hurt families and hurt kids and parents and, and, and divide us. So I want to talk to you. First point today is our highest calling in life and eternity, and that is to seek and know God as a family. My parents were great at this. You say, man, you guys, you guys, y'all probably didn't have any problems. Your dad was a pastor and, and this and that. It's funny how people view pastors' families and pastors sometimes. I remember years ago, there was a young lady that was kind of interested in me, and it just wasn't going to work. It was before Jen. But it was odd, the reasoning she gave me. She goes, you know, I could marry you because you're a pastor and you wouldn't cheat on me. Does that sound odd to you? The logic's not all there. The logic's not all there. Before we go on, we, ha we have a first-time visitor here today, and I passed right over him, and he was camouflaged over here. Give me your name again, sir. Nick, God bless you, and welcome to church with this sweetheart of a lady who comes all the time. And I don't want to forget you. I just saw you, and I went, wait a minute. I saw him come in, and I did not greet you. God bless you, and welcome to Kingsgate Church. Welcome, Nick. Let's give the Lord a clap offering real quick. We love you. You're always welcome here, sir, always. So as I was saying, she said, well, you're a pastor, so you wouldn't cheat on me. And I'm like, sis, you don't even know the statistics. People with and without God make lots of mistakes. And I thought, that's a really rotten reason to want to marry someone. It wasn't for my bald head. It was because I was a pastor, and maybe I wouldn't cheat on her. But I thought, how strange. People view pastors' families in an odd light sometimes. Y'all don't go through anything. No, we go through stuff. We do. And many of you know, you've stayed close with us, and you know we lost mom in May of 2018, and we've been through other things and challenges. But I want to tell you this right now. I learned this with mom and dad. Yeah, we were in a pastor's home, 
but they made lots of great choices because I knew pastors' families that didn't. And mom and dad were always about putting God first and teaching us to seek and know God for ourselves. They would say that. Mom and dad would say that. They'd say, you can't get to heaven because of me. I can pray for you. I can love you. I can show you. And man, they, at a young age, they taught us Bible stories. And I was the Bible story king. I love Bible stories. I would always win Bible trivia at church. I knew Bible stories. And all that's great. But the one thing they really, really, really set in our hearts and placed within us, that was to seek and know God for ourselves and not to be fake with God, not to be fake with people, but to be real with God. You guys know this verse, Matthew 6, Look at this one. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. One translation says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and he will give you everything you need. The older translation says, seek first. This says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So it's first either way. Above everything, it needs to be your number one. To seek God and to know God and no excuses. My parents were good at teaching us and we were pretty good at learning. We made our share of mistakes, but they're always teaching us. We would study the word together. We would pray together. We'd go to church together. They said, yeah, it's because you're the pastor's family. Well, not every pastor's family has the whole church going to, uh, has the whole family going to church together we'd talk and ask questions about scripture and about bible stories we were dad and mom were always bringing up the word any simple conversation dad would go you know like the word says or like his life david in the bible or moses or jesus we always went back to scripture we always went back so mom and dad were great as a family in having us seek and know god they were great at it and dad thank you i'm here today because of you and mom praise god and I honor you guys and your legacy. And we always want to be real with God because of what you taught us, Dad. We always want to be real with God. We want to know Him. Can you imagine if I only talked to God? See, because this happens too. Can you imagine if I only talked to God or only read my Bible just because I had to preach on Sundays or Wednesdays? That wouldn't be good, huh? You'd be concerned about me in my spiritual life. But see, I learned because of our family and the example that was set before us was to seek and know God for myself. And we did it as a family, and now we do it as the family of God here, don't we? We seek and know God together. Some of you are saying, and I brought this up last week, you said, man, you don't know my family. We struggled. It was terrible. Man, my family won't seek God. I'm seeking God, you know, and I've grown up and moved on. But hey, you love them. You forgive them. You pray for them that they come to know Jesus. But now you're part of the family of God. You're part of the family of God. There's no greater honor than that. Scripture says Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother or sister. Can you imagine that? God in the flesh says you're now part of my family. Because of the blood of Jesus, you can be part of the family of God again. After the Garden of Eden and that full mess that, that we inherited from Adam and Eve, right? Here we are now, praise God. My parents were good at this. Let's pray together. Let's study the word together. And they'd do it. They'd write notes. I remember waking up sometimes, and mom would have written a note and said, hey, you better start reading your Bible again. I've noticed you haven't been seeking God. A note! Can you imagine that? It would make me so mad. You haven't been seeking God. I've noticed you're not the same. Start seeking God again. Love, mom. All rebellious? 
But man. And dad would tell me, he'd say, hey, I would have a hard time in the summers when I was a kid. I was such a free spirit. Near the end of school, I'd start to act up, and teachers would notice it. I'm sure this happens with lots of kids, I hope. I hope I wasn't just the only one. But it'd get into May, late April and May, and I'd start acting up, and dad would notice it too. And he'd tell me, he'd say, hey, summer is not time to take time off from God. You better seek God this summer. And dad had a real wise saying. This is real wise. You can find it on the internet. He'd say, you better act right, buddy. That's deep, isn't it? I still hear it sometimes. I'm like, I better act right, buddy. Second point today, this has come up a little bit, and that's to work. I feel like, not nobody in here probably, right? But I feel like families don't teach their, their boys and girls to work. Some families just teach the girls to work in some cultures. And the boys are just lazy. I don't get that. I appreciate mom and dad. I do, man, because they got us to work. You know what dad would do in the summer? He'd go off to work, and he'd leave me in charge. I was a young teenager there, 13, 14, and it would be me, Jonathan, and Elaine. And dad would call on our rotary phone. And one of the kids, I say the kids, my brother or sister, one of the, my brother or sister, my younger siblings would answer the phone, and they're all, dad says to get up. I'm all, how did he know I was even asleep? Man, I'm not, no, and then, and then he'd call back. I'd answer, hello, are, are y'all awake? I don't want you sleeping the day away. I left a list for you guys to do some stuff. Oh, man, we were taught to work. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 2.24. Huh. So I decided, this is what King Solomon said, there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Isn't that powerful? Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat or enjoy anything apart from him? Huh, that's powerful. Let's go back to the beginning of that verse. Find satisfaction in work. Look at this verse, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul gave this command when he was with the church at Thessalonica? He said, even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. <laughs> y'all like that? I needed to show y'all to show you that I did not make that up. Dad loved quoting that growing up. And mom would sometimes too. I'm like, mom, you're just copying dad. Dad's like, hey, if you don't work around here, you don't eat. I was already skinny. I was like, I got to work, man. I'll die. I was already a little skinny. You think I'm slim now? I was always skinny. I was always a slim kid. While we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Isn't that crazy? No, Miko's not working. You know, he's just, he's helping around the house. He's busy. He's trying to beat that video game. He's gotten really far in the world of Warcraft. I don't even know video games anymore. Lego world. He's so far, he's about to conquer it. He couldn't work but we're going to just give him, you know, some nachos for lunch and just take care of him, just spoil him. No, listen, you can love your kids and teach them to work. Some never learn to work, and then the problem is they go to a job someday. Look how powerful and deep this wisdom is, and they don't know how to work. They show up for work, and they're like, man, I... And you, I hear reports from this all... I hear, I hear this a lot from bosses, like, man, they don't even know how to, they won't even do any work. They're pulling out their phone. 
the whole time. That's not work. Put that phone up. Get to work. Parents do their kids a disservice when they don't teach them to work as a family. Don't let them be lazy, all right? I remember dad gave me the yard. I was young and I was pretty strong for my size, but I remember I was little for my age. And man, I had to push that lawnmower. And dad taught me, see, we never had a bag lawnmower growing up. Dad taught me, said, hey, you got to mow this to where you, you mulch that and get rid of all the extra grass. So dad liked me to mow and put all the, all the grass remains in one direction. He didn't like the grass remains all over the yard. So he'd say, you mow and, and mow in one direction or go in circles, whatever you got to do to just get all that grass out of, out of there and out of the way, and we get rid of it. He said, don't be mowing and putting grass everywhere. And he had his way, and he taught me. Dad taught me so well that I got old enough to choose I got a bag lawnmower. <laughs> I said, I learned what to do because dad taught me I'm going to have to be doing all this other stuff. I can, go, I can go backward, forward, sideways, diagonal. I can mow where I got a bag on that thing. I graduated. And it's awesome to have a bag. I still, it's crazy. Years ago, it's like, man, 30, 30 years ago. I was doing that with dad in the, in the lawn. And I remember as a kid, just like 12, 13, 14, and that we didn't have a bag on the lawnmower. A good lawnmower. But I thought, man, I'm going to get a bag one day. And someone gave me a lawnmower like seven years ago. It still works great, and it's got a bag on it. It's awesome. I'll never forget. I think it was the summer after seventh grade. Dad was, he had me helping him in the yard. And you know how kids have sayings? Do you guys remember awesome was a thing? Now they use it like he's awesome. Well, we used to say when we were kids, man, that's awesome. Transformers are awesome. Or, you know, that was an awesome movie. Well, our saying when we were in seventh grade was ignorant. Had some at school that taught me how to say it street. They'd say, don't get ignorant with me, Matt. Don't get ignorant. So we'd say ignorant. <laughs> I still have a picture of my dad. Darker hair, he's still got great hair, but jet black hair. And right where he was standing at our house on the south side, and him messing with the stupid weed eater. Did y'all ever have problems with the weed eater? He's messing with the weed eater. He's like, he's smashing his fingers. And I'll never forget, he looked up at me and goes, man, how do you even work this ignorant thing? He was so sick of it, he's about to break it, man. Because every time the, the string would go in and you had to detach it, it was hard. You had to be skilled. Man, it just about ruined your day. You'd mow the lawn and have to weed eat it and that thing, you couldn't get it to work. He said, this ignorant thing, I never forgot. But dad taught us to work. We were outside working. And that's for life and marriage. You know, guys, you don't want to surprise your wife. You get married one day and you don't know how to work or you don't want to work. And your wife goes, what in the world? It sure was romantic. You were writing poetry, but you won't even take out the trash. And I'm fanatical about the trash. I drop the ball in some areas, but trash. We'll even have carry out or someone will bring us food or something and there'll be boxes and we'll eat, and I go run them out to the trash can so they don't fill up the kitchen and stink up the kitchen. I'm fanatical about the trash. Dad taught me to throw the trash. Learn to work a little bit, all right? Now, this next one you're going to like. It's a little less serious. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 3.11. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to to end. We don't know all of God's plans, but he concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. Is that good? Oh man, and people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. So you should have fun. You should have fun at times. You should enjoy life. 
I remember, I remember growing up, I'd have so much fun doing work that sometimes people thought I was not doing work at all, but I was actually getting stuff done here and there, right? <laughs> but man, have fun, fun and enjoyment. I remember growing up, mom was about fun. She said, let's go have fun. And dad was about sports. He taught us sports, he played sports with us, and he encouraged sports, so that was our way of having fun with dad. He liked sports. But man, we learned about fun. There was a lot of work there was a lot of fun too you should have fun take a vacation get out of town you say man go to Lubbock say why Lubbock well because if Lubbock doesn't have it for sale you don't need it everybody understand that Lubbock has everything they don't have it don't worry about it Lubbock is awesome go visit Lubbock go check out something watch a clean movie something but you got to learn to play as a family learn to enjoy stuff Jen's family they play croquet that's pretty sophisticated. It sounds sophisticated, doesn't it? Boy, they're competitive. I've never played with them. I've just watched. We go, we've gone down to Pensacola, Florida for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, and they play croquet. Do you all know what that is? It's like those little hammers, and you hit the ball. It's about that big. And they're really good at it. They play. That's something they do as a family. Well, as a family, we used to, mom wasn't real athletic, so she didn't really play sports with us. But we were into basketball, me, dad, John, and Lane, and they played other sports. Elaine would about wipe herself out playing volleyball. She would sacrifice her body, man. She and John, she and John, man, they might have been one of the smaller ones on the court at any time, but man, they would just hurt themselves for the ball, man. They, they played with everything. Played way harder than the NBA. The NBA, these dudes are getting paid. They're like, man, I'm not getting injured. You get that ball, right? But man, they were... They were sacrificing themselves. I always loved watching Jonathan and Elaine play, but they learned to play at home, and we played together, and we hurt each other sometimes. Feelings, physical injuries, sprained ankles, but we learned to play together. you got to do that as a family. You really do, all right? You say, man, do we do that as a church family? We actually do. Hoops and Hot Dogs is coming up. We play together. It's going to be basketball and prizes and food. We eat together. Um, uh, Adrian, the, the children's pastor, she's going to have all kinds of special games for the kids. It's going to be fun. We even have a new playground. Isn't that amazing? God is faithful. We've learned to play together even as a ministry. We have fun together. Men's retreats, we've got one coming up. Get with me or pastor. It's October 4th through the 6th. That's for men. That's a men's retreat. That's so you can play together. You hear the word, but you get out of town and have fun together. We've got to do that as a family, okay? Now let's move into this one, number four. This is so important. Communicate. Let's take a survey. You want to? Let's take a survey. I love surveys. Always have. How many of you say, as a family, we communicate great? Raise your hand. Y'all some honest people, man. I feel convicted. That, and the ones that raise their hands are like embarrassed. I'm like, I'm not even sure, but I think we talk. We talk. We've spoken before. The rest of you are like, I'm not even going to raise my Okay. That was, that was a blown survey, I guess. But y'all are honest, man. I love y'all's honesty. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel good. There's some honesty in this house. Well, as a family, you got you to gotta work on that. Yeah, you work together. You play together. You seek and know God together. You got to learn to communicate. You got to learn to talk about stuff. We were good at that. Mom was our anchor for communication. Dad came from a family that didn't communicate as much. Dad became a communicator. Dad was always a brilliant communicator, communicator from the pulpit. But I think mom helped all of us to communicate and learn to talk and share our feelings and stuff. And who wants to do that, right? 
But sometimes you have to because people go to bed mad. And dad used to say this. They wake up in the morning with horns growing out of their head. It happens. You don't want to go to bed mad, Scripture says. Learn to communicate. Don't ignore issues. Just because you ignore an issue doesn't mean it went away, right? Can you imagine if I'm preaching and all of a sudden there's a swarm of mosquitoes right here? And that would be very disadvantageous because as you can see, in case you hadn't noticed, I'm bald. And I've been bitten on my head by, by mosquitoes and fleas before. Not at our house. We don't have fleas. I house sat one time, took a nap, and they had a flea-infested house, and it bit me all, they bit me all over my head. I don't know if it was the same flea just bouncing around, biting me, <laughs> or if it was numerous, but it was bad. I was all, what happened? And we figured it out. Somebody's like, those are fleas, bro. But can you imagine there's a swarm of mosquitoes so thick you can see them from any angle in this room, and I stand here, and I ignore it the whole sermon while I'm preaching. Does that mean I made them go away by ignoring them? No, sounds like a silly example. It's almost oversimplified. But that's how we are with communication and family sometimes. I've had to learn to communicate better. I'm a talker, but I've had to learn to communicate more clearly. Just because you're a big talker doesn't mean you're a great communicator. Sometimes we talk a lot, and we don't say nothing. Or we talk a lot, and we don't let the other person talk. So let's go to Ephesians 4.15 here. Check this out. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And there should be communication. Even in a church, if there's a problem, there should be communication. In a connect group, there should be communication. That's what makes connect groups great. Is people get in there and talk. They share how they feel. They share about the word. They talk about stuff. Let's go to Ephesians 4.26. Check this out. Huh, look at that. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while, while you are still angry. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Mom used to tell us that. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Make sure, and man, I remember that. I took that into marriage, man. Sometimes you just irrit irritate each other. It's like, man, I'm just, I'm going to just turn over. I'm just be irritated. No, don't go to bed like that. Talk it out. Be okay with each other. Work it out communicate what what a lot of people do is they ignore it and then the next day act like nothing happened but they're putting stuff they're suppressing stuff in their soul and they have the big black plastic bag or big white plastic bag a big plastic bag and they're going it's okay i'm fine and they're just loading it with junk right and then something little happens and they pour that whole bag out on somebody and you're surprised and the other day, and last time, and last year, and last Christmas. Man, deal with it as it happens. Deal with it as it happens. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Jen and I talk. I love it, because I'm a talker. I love it when my wife goes, baby, come sit down. Magic words. Let's talk. I'm like, I could be in trouble, but I go into it fearlessly. I'm like, I may have done some crazy thing, but oh well, let's talk. And you can kind of tell when I've done something crazy, she's, she's just so sweet, she grabbed my hand and said, baby, 
all right, don't, don't take this the wrong way. But I'm like, my ears like start wilting. I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. What did I do, right? But I love, I love it that we, we talk, we communicate. We don't just let stuff fester and get bad and stay infected. We talk, all right? And number five today, look at this. This is so important. In a family, you have to be accountable, right? I remember mom and dad giving me a curfew in high school, be home by, by this time. Even junior high, I'd go hang out with people and say, be home by this time. It was early. It got later and later. And I got older. I was in college. I was still staying with my parents for a while while I was in college, uh, first few semesters. And I don't know how they knew. I wasn't out doing crazy stuff. I was, I was never a drinker. I wasn't into the party scene. I wasn't. But I'd go to a friend's house, and we'd stay up late. Just, I don't know what we did till then. Now it sounds stupid, right? Because you're messed up the next morning. One, two in the morning. But I remember, I remember I was even older, but I was staying at my parents' house, and I'd get home, and one of them, one of my parents that never failed, they'd go, what time did you get home last night? And I would, you know, you, you act ignorant, like the one comedian. He said, man, nobody had a watch. It's like, <laughs> nobody knew what time it was. We just, I mean, I was like, you know what time it is? No, we don't know. Nobody knew. So I was, you know, you kind of lie. What time did you get home? I always knew exactly what time I got home. What time did you get home? Mm, well, I think it was, you know, it was between. Um, and one of them would go, did you get home about 1.30? I'm like, how did they know that? They hear the door opening and they just wake up and crack their eye and look over at the digital clock. One thirty. nope, to sell for tomorrow. Matt got home late. I don't know how they did that. I'm all, how on earth? They just knew. They were holding me accountable. When would you get home? Did you know now I'm married? And the accountability that I was taught in our family. I'm accountable with my wife. Some people are like, I'm just going to be bad. I'm going to do whatever I want as a man. No, I let my wife know. It's for my safety as well. I, not every second, hey, I'm doing this. But my wife, I, I got so accountable that in the last year, my wife says, okay, play-by-play, play, man. I'm like, don't mess with me. I'm good. I'm accountable. I learned that from great men of God. You're accountable. Hey, here's where I'm going. She's like, you don't have to tell me everything I trust you. Like, I'm like, I know, but I'm just telling you. And if she doesn't know where I am, if I didn't tell her at any moment, she can ask me, and I will tell her. I'm not going to... Well, and lie to her and say, well, you know, don't be asking me where I am. Where are you? People do that. Or it's imbalanced. The guy wants to know where the woman is, and he can't, he can't tell anybody where he's at, or vice versa. Now, that's weird. We've got to be accountable. Now, the only time I kind of keep it a secret is if I'm out getting a gift for her. For Christmas or something, Jen is a detective supreme. She figures stuff out. It's amazing. I'm like, it got to the place where we were just trying to hide stuff from her, all of us, when we get her a gift, because she figures it out. And then she's like, you make it not fun. You don't tell me anything. I'm like, because you figure everything out. I'm like, hello, baby. Hey, how's it going? She's like, oh, are you at Walmart right now? Are you looking for my, you know, I'm like, how do you, what? No. No, are you tracking me on my phone? No, I'm not at Walmart. Are you at Hop? You know, she just figure out stuff over the years. That's about the only time where I'll give her some fake answers, you know. I won't answer my text until I'm at the next place, and then I'm like, oh, I'm putting gas in the truck, you know, trying to keep it a secret where I was. But man, we're always accountable with each other. 
One of us leaves town with somebody else. We go to do something. We let each other know. It's just, it's courtesy, but we love each other. And did you know the, the body of Christ calls for accountability? I would never ask for accountability in you if I wasn't accountable to my pastor, to my wife, to the people around me, my connect group. You'd be amazed the things I tell my connect group when I'm going through stuff and they share with me as well. And I say, this all stays here and we talk. And I'll say, man, hey, I went through this. I struggled with this. Or they'll say, I struggle with this. But we're accountable with each other. We're accountable. And did you know when you're accountable, it protects you? You know, if someone with suicide thoughts never told anybody and something happened, and that's terrible, isn't it? But usually, usually people send signs and signals and they talk a little bit here and there, even if they're a closed book. That's why we got to be accountable, man. Wow, what time did you get home? <laughs> I got in the habit of telling my wife, hey, I'll be home at, at 1, and she's like, okay, that's fine. And then I'd show up at 1.20, and she's like, oh, you said you'd be here at 1. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't asking you to come home at a certain time, so why'd you tell? I was like, man, I was running late. She's like, I wasn't even asking. But why are you telling me, and then you, you're late? And I'm like, you're right, that was dumb. So if you need to know, then I'll, it'll be between one and two. <laughs> right? I do that on Saturday morning sometimes. I leave the church, and I'm like, man, I get tied up with something. I'm seeking God or doing other stuff, and it just, but accountability is for your protection. So let's go through some of these things right now. As a family, we should seek and know God, number one. Seek and know God. Somebody say amen. That's the most important one. Number two, we learn to work. Teach the kids to work. We work as a family, work with the kids. Kids work with the parents. Whoever's living there should work at the house and help. That's great. That's normal. We learn to work. Number three, play. Have fun. Play a video game together. Watch a movie together. As mom used to say, a good, clean movie. Right? Like, mom, we're not going to watch a dirty movie as a family. She always said that, though. Let's go get a good, clean movie. Uh, just how she, how she rolled, okay? Number four, communicate. Talk to each other, just not about nonsense, but communicate. Parents, I'm going to promise you something. If you'll start hanging around your kids some and actually talking to them and not just getting on their tail feather every time they do something wrong, that time comes and that time happens where you're a parent and you're just after them. But if you sit down and you're talking with them, did you know kids will talk to you? They'll tell you what they're going through. They'll tell you, man, I'm struggling with this. Or, man, somebody offered me weed. Or somebody offered me drugs. Or they'll talk to you. You need to communicate. You need to sit down with those kids and talk. Do you know some people, they talk less than 15 minutes a week with their kids. And you really should be having meaningful conversation at least 15 minutes a day with each child. At least. Y'all are like, that's easy for you, Pastor Matt. You don't have any kids yet. Well, we're, we're working on that. We're going we're gonna to commit to that. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. So you make sure you communicate. I communicate with my wife, all right? You make sure you're communicating with your spouse and your children. And number five, be accountable. Somebody loves you, man. Let them know where you are. Let them know what you're doing. Let them know you, why you didn't do that. Let them know why you broke your word about that. Talk it over. Talk it over. Be accountable. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today, if you would, please. Is there anybody in this house who says, you know what? I need to make it right with God. I need to give my life to Jesus. If you've never, never, ever given your heart to the Lord, would you raise your hand today? And I want to pray with you before we pray for our families. 
Anybody in this house? Raise your hand. Raise it high. You say, I need to get to know the Lord. Raise your, raise your hand. God bless you. Thank you. Praise God. Let's all pray together as a family. And everybody repeat after me, okay? As we pray today. Say, Heavenly Father, I commit my life to you. Jesus, you're not only my Savior, but you're my Lord. Come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me of my sin. I'm your child now. I believe that you died and rose again for my sin. I believe. Save me from myself and from sin and from hell itself. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everybody to look up at me now. You say, man, I want to pray for my family, my immediate family, extended family. I want to pray for my family. Go ahead and stand to your feet today. Go ahead. Say, I want to pray for me as part of my family, but I'm going to pray for my family. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Go ahead. There you go. There you go. Praise God. That's everybody. Excellent. 100%. Let's believe God today. Go ahead and raise your hands, and I'm going to pray with you. Father, I declare a blessing over these folks here, these families and the families that they represent that are not here. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I thank you for commitment to Jesus. I thank you for protection. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the filling and baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for protection. I thank you for financial blessing and closeness to you above all, God. Closeness to you in all these families. And I declare it right now. God, you're doing something in their lives. No matter what they've been through, what they've seen, how it's been, how it's looked. Lord God, they are free. And they are doing good and they are blessed, Lord God. And they'll place you first. They'll put you first. They'll keep you first, Lord God Almighty. They will keep you first, Heavenly Father. We declare it today. I speak life. I speak hope. I speak faith. Forgiveness, health, blessing over these families, God, all over this room. God, who knows how many thousands of people we represent here in, here in this room today. God, we may have 80 people, 85 people in this room today, God, but I bet, I bet we represent thousands of people. And I pray for those folks. And in Jesus' name, I encourage you today, people of God, family of God, put people on your list of prayer. You may have that list of people that say, God, whatever it takes, bring them to you. You may have the part of the list that's just, God, I'm just praying for them, work in their lives, bring them closer to you. But you make sure you have a list of folks because the question is, there might, are there people that nobody's praying for? Are there people that nobody is praying for? Maybe. I want us as a family to pray for some important people right now. As a daycare, as a child care facility, Victory Center Christian Academy, this past week, we lost one of our babies. A little two-year-old girl named Zariah, and she was not, she was not here. It happened somewhere else, and it happened on the babysitter's watch. Terrible. So I want to pray for the mom and the babysitter right now. It's uh, Demi and Tammy. And go ahead and raise your hands toward heaven. Let's pray for them because can you imagine what they're going through? Wow. 
It hit us hard. It broke our hearts. We shed tears here, but I can't imagine what the mom and the babysitter and the rest of the family are going through because it affects all these families. God, we lift up these ladies to you, Demi and Tammy. Lord, the blood of Jesus over them. Have mercy on them. Use this situation to draw them to you, God. You didn't do it. But we ask that you draw these folks to you through this awful and horrible situation. We wouldn't wish this on anybody, Lord. We're so sad and heartbroken that they're having to go through this. But Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bring them to you. Have mercy on them and comfort them, Father God. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord. Work a miracle in their lives. We break every attack of the enemy over them right now. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We thank you today. In Jesus' name.